Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together... We're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears. Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the full go. Love the full go. The full go. The full go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Scoop, Donnell, thank y'all, man. I appreciate y'all doing this uh, late notice and everything. Appreciate you guys. Darnell just saw you at Tony Gill's wedding. Scoop didn't get a chance to run into you this summer, but the NBA season is upon us, right? We got the league tip off on Tuesday night. And then, of course, Bulls and Heat here locally for all the Bulls fans who are looking forward to whatever the 2022-2023 season is. And to talk about these things and more, I got Scoop Jackson, OG, veteran. You, you don't have to say any more than that. I mean, ESPN and all the other platforms, this man is a... Uh, a basketball icon in terms of content and writing. And uh, he, he could be the, he too can be the, the soundtrack and the narrator of your life. You feel me? Like he's like basketball, <laughs> basketball Morgan Freeman out here where you just Yoda, want him. Yoda, man, Yoda. <laughs> God, just keep it, keep it, man. All these Jackson did just four letters, just Yoda, man. It's Yoda? Like, yeah, I'm Yoda, I'm Yoda out in these streets, man. Stop, baby. You know how I roll. <laughs> and of, course, of course, Darnell Mayberry from that. Like, now, Darnell, I, I uh, got a chance to see you on Friday or was it, yeah, Friday. Yeah, for the for Tony's wedding, but we didn't talk much basketball, and that's probably a good thing. And scoop, I I, I don't know how to ease into this with Bulls fans, and we'll talk about the rest of the NBA shortly here. But I I think the Bulls are in playing territory. We did our season preview show with Kendall Gill and Will Purdue, and obviously there's a lot of things that can break a lot of different ways. You know, COVID, obviously the injury issues that the Bulls uh, left last season with, and are coming into this season with. Uh, LeVar Ball's comments about his kid and what's happening with his knee and making sure that he's 100%, not just looking at this year, but going forward. Darnell, you cover this team uh, on a night-to-night basis. What should Bulls fans realistically expect from this squad? And then we'll get to you, Scoop. Yeah, I think this is a pretty average team without Lonzo Ball. I mean, you have two elite scorers in Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. But beyond that, um, you just got a bunch of scrappy guys. I'll throw Vucevic in, in there, too, as as a guy you can depend on for some scoring. But, you know, Ayo DeSumo, the, the Javante Greens, the Patrick Williams, Derrick Jones Jr., Dalen Terry's. I mean, it's just a bunch of scrappy guys who are built to complement the two scoring stars. 
Um, but we've seen it. It's not going to be enough against the elite teams. And so until Lonzo Ball gets back, unless or until he gets back, um, you know, I think this is a pretty average team. Scoop? I agree. I, I think the average, I think they took us by surprise last year because we didn't expect them to do that. Um, we didn't expect DeMar. We didn't expect DeMar to have the season that he had. Uh, we didn't expect Caruso to come in and play as well as he did. We didn't expect uh, Kobe White and Io to like kind of balance. There was a lot of things we didn't expect last year. And you all both know one of the problems that happens, especially in the NBA, is once you exceed expectations, you go into the next season with the target. So the surprise factor is gone, and the Bulls are no longer going to surprise everybody, anybody. Um, so I, I agree. I, I think they're, you know, a middle-of-the-pack team. I, 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 don't, I don't know if they're going to come into a sixth seed. You know, again, um, they could. But to me, um, even with that, does it – what are we really saying? Does, does, does that really make a difference? Is it just a playing situation or – are we now going into their, okay, you're not going to surprise anybody's season expecting more than what we got last season, or are we expecting less than what we got last season? You know what I'm saying? I'll be yeah. seeing both. I'll be seeing, all right, this team is plateauing right here, and all our expectations should be we expect the same thing this season. They may get a, they may get into a playing game, but there's no way they're getting out of the first round. Is, is, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I, I think that is the fate for this team right now. And, you know, when you when we talk about the Eastern Conference, I was, I was talking to Will and KG about this. I, I don't remember an Eastern Conference being this stacked since the early aughts where, you know, it's been a good 10, 12 years where, yeah, you've got dominant teams at the top, you know, LeBron's run and Cleveland and Miami, of course. But one through five, I think that you can make a, a case for, um, four teams thinking that they can come out of the Eastern Conference. I mean, you got the unknown with Brooklyn. I, I'm picking Philly to come out of the East this year. Of course, you got that bad man in Milwaukee doing what he does every single night in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then the Boston situation is a little murky, obviously, with the coaching situation. But I want to see how Jalen Brown, because the Jason Tatum coronation that happens every single year, and at some point it kind of like we're like, oh, okay, maybe next year it'll be that next, next step. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how Jalen Brown handles not only the trade talks this year, this offseason, but going forward, like, yo, I'm, I'm a star too. So there's a lot of different things at play here in the Eastern Conference. And I think the Bulls, you know, have to bank on some contract years, motivating guys like Vooch and some of these. And Billy Donovan, who's going into the third year of his four-year deal. Like, you don't want to be a lame duck going into that last year. So I think the pressure of everything that we've seen around the Eastern Conference, I think it's landing on Bulls fans. And we're trying to figure out where, where does the team, like you said, Scoop, where, where is the trajectory? Like, what's the, what's, the, what's the level that, okay, we know what this team is, and then you can go from there? See, now here's the thing. I, kinda, I agree with you, but there, there, there's something there that I kind of disagree because I can, to me, you can remove the entire Eastern Conference and just look at the Bulls as a single entity and make any judgment you want to make from there. I don't think anybody else matters to what assessment we can come to when it comes to the Bulls. And I want to a fault, I'm one of those individuals that kind of judges what we see going into a season based on what we saw last season. Mm -hmm. And to me, we can reduce this entire conversation with the Bulls just as we can, re we can reduce the entire season last season to one game. That's it, one game. And that was that game three against Milwaukee. How do you come home splitting in Milwaukee 1-1 and you come home and get beat by 30 and then next to best man is down. Mm -hmm. I know Lonzo Ball wasn't there, but there's no way. Two things. There's no way you should allow that to happen. You should not lose by 30. Coming back 1-1 against Milwaukee. And that second best player is down. But the second part is you let Alice Caruso go off on you. The Grayson Allen. Talking about I'm Grayson sorry, Allen. Yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 Allen. yeah. He went crazy. He went crazy. Dropped like five threes on you, 22 points, and he took Alex out. Like, there's no way. This Basically, he shouldn't even finish the game if we're being honest. <laughs> we talked about it leading up to it. We talked about it during the regular season. Like, oh, But yeah. he, can't, he can't be. You cannot, you cannot let this dude come in and do to you 
what he did to you in that particular game on your home court mm-hmm. with everything that's right. So once again, when we're talking about the Bulls, I'm taking it back to that one game. So what are we really talking about? And that's why I'll go back to what you said, Jason. That has nothing to do with any of the teams you just mentioned. Right. Everything on the Bulls is right there. Where, where, where's the dog at? Where's the dog on that team that's going to stop Grayson Allen from having a game like that? Where, 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 where's the pride in this team that stopped him from going two for 20 against every other team that's in the playoffs during the regular season? We got issues here that the Eastern Conference has nothing to deal with. Everything we're looking at the Bulls can go down to that one game and answer questions to that one game because that's what we're carrying over into the season as far as I'm concerned. And then let me piggyback on that, Scoop. I mean, it's not just what they did last season. It's also where they are. You ask, are they moving in the right direction or are they plateauing? Nikola Ucevic is going into his last year of his contract. DeMar DeRozan is up after next season. Uh, You just gave Zach Levine all of this money, but then who are you going to surround him with? I mean, Patrick Williams just got moved to the bench for a third-year guy who's 29 years old, undrafted. So... This was supposed to be the guy who was supposed to take you from good to great, Patrick Williams, and now he's probably, you know, your sixth or seventh man. So this franchise is at a crossroads. I think Kobe White didn't pan out. We've seen them make, you know, quick fix moves, trading Wendell Carter Jr., trading Daniel Gafford, and now Dalen Terry, you're hoping he pans out. You're hoping Patrick Williams can still develop, but this is a pivotal season from where they go from here. My thing is that, Everything we're talking about is basketball-related. What the Bulls need has nothing to do with basketball. You can have all the players in the world. But once again, where and I'm not saying that – I'm not questioning their quote-unquote manhood or anything, but I'm where, where's that dog at? Like, it's not about getting all-star players and, and, and Vucevic and Zach and Duran, you know, having like – Hell of seasons, making all-star teams, first, second, third team All-NBA. It's not about Kobe White or Pat, you know, Williams when he comes in. It's, it's none of that. It's that who's going to stop and make sure that Grayson Allen doesn't take one of our players out and comes in and drops 22 on us on the pivotal game. Mm-hmm. You hey, know, who, where, where, where's that Patrick Beverly dude that's going to come in here? Where's that Draymond Green dude that's going to come in here and stop that and, and put some pride on this? Everybody talking about put respect on that. Where's, where's the pride on that name? That's what I think they need to deal with. Because real squads that are in the hunt for things, whether they're in the hunt for a title or a division championship or a run for the conference finals, they don't go a season two for 20 against playoff teams. Somebody steps in and says, damn it, we winning the game tonight. We winning this game right now. And I'm pretty sure if you look at the record, in the history of the NBA, that's one of the lowest records about against uh, of a team Top that made teams. the playoffs yeah. against teams that were in the playoffs. So I hear what you're saying, but my thing has nothing to do with basketball and what they do on the court. It's, it's, it's in here. So let me ask y'all this then, because we've heard Billy Donovan, and hell, when Billy Donovan came back from uh, his stretch with COVID last year, I thought one of the most important moments in the season was after DeMar DeRozan hits those back-to-back game-winning shots, I believe, on New Year's Eve and January 2nd uh, against Washington and Indiana. Billy Donovan's first press conference back, he was like, yo, don't let this shit fool you. Like, this this team is not playing the kind of basketball that I want them to play. And now coming into this season, he's talked a lot about randomness and not and making sure that you're not stagnant offensively. And to me, all that's saying is we relied too much on DeMar DeRozan last year, and you can't have that. How do you... How do you maximize the importance of DeMar DeRozan without making sure that all you're doing is counting on DeMar DeRozan? Because obviously Zach Levine's not going to have his knee injury that he had last year. Right? He's coming into this year healthy, and Zach is, uh, you know, he's, he's a max player now. So there's a certain cachet that goes with that as well. But how do you make sure that everything that you saw last year from DeMar DeRozan, can he have a better season without scoring as many points? Darnell, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think Billy Donovan has to keep preaching it and they got to keep practicing it all season. They got to keep doing it for 82 games, even if it costs them some games where, you know, if you get the ball to DeMar, he may be able to win you the game, but maybe you need to pass it to Kobe White to get a shot in the last couple seconds to build his confidence moving forward. Uh, If they keep doing that all season long, I think they're going to be in good shape. But my question is, 
is DeMar going to commit to doing that, knowing that he doesn't want to lose games, you know, trying out some stuff. And he knows that it was successful the way uh, he did it last year for himself and for the team. So those are my questions when it comes to how they implement it and then marrying the two styles. The importance of DeMar DeRozan, Scoop. How, uh, wh- where does it have to be for this Bulls team to maximize their potential? I think it's fine. I think if the scoring average increases, but it leads to wins, then that's all good. And I'm and I'm not talking about victories just to stack up victories in the win column. I'm talking about victories against teams that they lost to last year that are in the playoffs. If they can keep the same system in place and gain confidence from DeMar, dropping 28 a game or 29 a game and being one of the top five in the league in scoring, but they are 10 and, 10 and 20. Against mm-hmm. playoff teams, and they're twelve and twenty. And Io has game winners. AC has game winners. Pat has game winners. Kobe has game winners. Vucevic has game winners. Everybody responsible for having big fourth quarters. And Demar scoring averages up, but he ain't got to carry the responsibility of carrying him over the finish line all eighty-two. If they do that, and it leads to them having better games and victories against those teams, where Brooklyn comes in here and gets beat. So Kevin Durant is looking at him differently. Phoenix comes in here, and they beat Phoenix, and I lose to Phoenix by 30. Devin Booker's looking at him differently. They 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 maybe get punched in the mouth again by Milwaukee, but Milwaukee comes back two more times, full strength, and they walk away with a victory. So now Chris Middleton and Giannis are looking at them differently. You know, we could bring Joel Embiid in here. Yeah, they haven't beaten Joel Embiid in his his career. (laughs) Right, right. But what I'm saying is that if they get wins with DeMar doing what he did last season and they now are splitting, you know, games with these teams as opposed to just straight up loser, as long as he can make those teams look at him differently and look at this team differently, then that's fine because that's something that can carry over if they happen to see them in the first round of the playoffs. And that's when it matters. Because to me, Jamal can do whatever he wants to. I mean, do whatever he wants to. Boots can do whatever he wants to. Zach can do whatever he wants to. They're fine. They could be the three-headed monster or the, the, the new big three of Chicago, and that's fine. But if they don't have the confidence to win games by scoring a lot of doing what's necessary to get them over the finish line against these elite teams in the East or in the West, against these playoff teams, then DeMar could have a James Harden season average 35, 36, and it wouldn't make any difference at all. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Bulls talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Nationally, Scoop, what is the conversation around Zach Levine and how has that changed over the last couple of years, if at all? Um, That's a good question. I think the conversation changed last season before the knee situation started bothering me. It was another conversation of what it is right now. I think last season, talk around the league, you know, when you go to talk to other writers and, you know, talk to other people that are covering other teams and they start talking about the Bulls, it was the two-headed monster that we had in Chicago. It was the tandem. It was the, you all have your own version of the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum situation in Chicago. And if they build on that, there's no telling how far the Bulls can go. That was the conversation. Right now, there's a lot of speculation on how he's going to recover from this injury and what type of player he's going to be. But like D said, now we're also questioning what Billy Donovan is going to do to try to get the best out of both of them and lead them playing at their best two victims where they can compete and, and, and at least match what other teams that have two superstars are doing and they have to do it in a way that, once again, makes those other two superstars look at them at the same level. Mm-hmm. When Philly comes in here, James Harden and Joel Embiid need to look at Zach and DeRozan as, yeah, y'all can mess with us. 
Y'all might have got us now, but we we not sleeping on y'all anymore. You know, Giannis and Chris Middleton, the same thing. They need to be at that point where other superstars look at them the same way. Now, once again, the reason we're not having that conversation right now, from what I understand, talking to other people, is because they don't know how Zach is going to respond coming off the city. They don't know if he's going to be 100%. And to be, to be, I ain't going to be 100, to be 200 with you all. 200. There's a lot of questions about this medical staff. And a lot of it has to deal with the way they handle Lonzo. Lonzo. Yeah. Yes, because now they're like, it goes back to them questioning the same question we used to have back with the Bulls organization when they were dealing with Joe Noah and Joe Leo Luau Dang, like the incompetence yeah. that their medical staff had. I'm starting to hear that again now because now they don't have any faith in them, so they don't even know if that's the questions about like Zach's injury. Like, how we don't know how bad he's really hurt because they couldn't even handle a simple situation with Lonzo. Like they they let that even drop, and he's the most important cog in this whole thing working. And for that medical staff to let that go all summer, what's what type of player are you really gonna get is that how injured is he really? Are they telling us the truth on what his injury really is? Is he gonna get a setback? How is he gonna be when he sees all those questions starting to come up? And it has nothing to do with the player, it goes back to the medical staff. And we already have a history of having. I use the word incompetence. I try not to use it the second time. Nice. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. We, we, have, we have continuing questions about the people that are running the medical situation when it comes to our players. And it's come back again. And it's really directed now to the continual health of Zach Levine. And that's because of the way Lonzo Ball's situation was handled. Your expectations uh, for Zach this year, what Bulls fans should expect. And, you, you know, you've been covering the last couple of seasons. You, we've seen this ascension. Uh, he, he said what he wanted to be. He's, he's achieved that, right? And I'm, I'm with Scoop, right? Like, the, the personal accolades are all good. But after a while, you know, you could stash those away. Like, what are you winning? And I think Zach Levine speaks to that. But how does he... How does he realize that? Like, what, what is the full evolution of Zach Levine coming off of a knee surgery? Yeah, I think we know what we're going to get from him from a scoring perspective. And that's what you come to expect from Zach Levine. But the two things, the two areas that I'm looking at him and really needing to improve on is defense and decision making. I mean, that's what separates him from those other elite guys that we talk about whether it's the Kevin Durant's, the Jalen Browns, the Jason Tatum's, and just the Eastern Conference, Giannis Antetokounmpo, those guys bring it on both ends, and they make quality decisions in the closing moments of games. Um, DeMar does. You, you want to look at DeMar's defense as well and say, we need you to be better on that end. Um, but you're asking about Zach. Those are the two things that I'm looking at him and saying, your defense and your decision-making have to be better. You got the max contract. You're a pitch man, national pitch man on all these commercials. Uh, you know, I'm seeing your wife and your agent sitting floor, floor seats now. He's mm-hmm. got everything that he can possibly <laughs> want. Now you got to go put, put, um, pull it off on the floor and prove it. Yeah. Can I ask a question real quick? Knock it out. Is there, is, is there any way that Zach should be looking at like Devin Booker and saying, what's stopping me from being there? Ooh. I think that would be a disrespectful question to Zach if, if he heard you say that. I know. I, I think you would get him going if he heard you say that. I know, because to me, they're basically the same player. I think Zach looks at himself as better than Devin Booker. Yeah, I, okay, I know, I know so Zach I looks at himself okay, better so, than so, Devin Booker. Yeah, I'm asking questions. To me, they're the same player. I, to me, they're, they're what what. But why is Devin Booker elevated up here in most people's eyes? Playing on a winning team. Zach, Zach is yeah. not here. Playing is on a winning team. Obviously, obviously, is it because of winning? Is that it? Or is I think it something so. else? I think so, Scoop, because, when, you know, Devin Booker was the guy scoring 70 against Boston and nobody gave a damn about it. And then Chris right. Paul shows up, you know, James Jones puts a squad around him, and now he, you know, the last couple months of the season, people were talking about MVP talk for him. So, you know, in terms of, in terms of what he is as a player, Devin Booker is a star player. I think Zach has been around losing for so long that he hadn't been able to shake that. And he's been, you know, he's been one of the top three players in every season that he's gone into on a franchise, too. So that that matters, right? But I, I agree with Darnell. Like, if Zach takes the next step as far as decision-making and playmaking, because I think Zach, um, he came into UCLA as a point guard. Like, I think Zach has more 
to his playmaking game than uh, meets the eye, but he's just, he's never really had. I thought one of the biggest issues two years ago was the fact that he and Lowry Marketing, the two best players on the team, never got in the two-man game going. So I was like, wait a minute, are you is Lowry Marketing bad or are you just not trusting your teammates? Now you got these one-off, one-off, one-on, one-off moments with, with DeMar. I think Zach is a highly skilled player who is trying to learn how to win. And this team around him now went from development to now you got two other stars with you and he's still trying to find his way in that little hierarchy while also dealing with being in the eighth, ninth year of his career, knee injuries, contract extensions, all those things. Like, I think Zach has been... Zach, you know, the empty calorie stuff that people said about Zach four years ago, five years about, hey, he can score, but what does it lead to? People were having, to me, that same conversation about DeMar DeRozan in his early years in Toronto. So in the end, Zach might be a better player than Devin Booker, but since Devin Booker has all the pieces around him and an organization that has gone to the finals, I think he's going to be held in higher esteem and higher regard, and obviously so, because that's what winning does. Right. Now, the only reason I ask questions, because I think they're the same player, but has there, can we actually say that he is the same player, Devin Booker, that he was two years ago? Has he made slight changes in his game? Has mm. his decision-making gotten better? Has he made a diff- different commitment to defense? Has yeah. he stopped taking bad shots? You know, small things. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, fine-tuning of his game. I personally do not see the same player in Devin Booker that I saw two years ago. Oh, for sure. For and sure. that's why I'm asking the question. It's like, all right, so what small changes do I have to do? It goes for Darnell. What small changes do I have to do? What can I do? And... Not necessarily because you can't just get a Chris Paul, but you did get DeMar DeRozan, so you did get an upgrade. Yeah. So what can I do to help my situation and be looked at the same way Dev was doing? Are these small changes available for me to be made? D made a great question. Is there a commitment to defense? And if you're being honest, if this was your, if this was your swatch, you know what I'm saying? If, if this was your comparable to what you were a couple of years ago, once again, why? Is he here and I'm here? Is it just about his team getting better or did he do something? And is, did he do something that I need to do? And I'm pretty sure if you really took an honest look, if he did, there are small things directly related to what D was saying that Devin Booker has done in his game that, hey, you know what? Maybe I will make a different commitment to defense. Mm. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I, you know, those, those type, maybe, maybe it's not about my scoring average being 27. I can drop down to 25 and be more effective. Now, Scoop, you're making a great point, man. And as, as you're talking, I'm hearing Billy Donovan's voice in the back of my head because we hear him all the time talk about how bad are players willing to win? How bad do they want to win? And it's like he's sending these like subliminal messages to 100%. the guys like Zach Levine saying, yeah, everyone says they want to win, but how bad do you really want to win? How much are you willing to do and how far are you willing to go to go out there and actually get the job done? And those are the little things that I think you're speaking of when you say, what are you trying to do to change the little tweaks that you can do to make yourself a better player? Right. And nobody's saying that you're not great. I'm just looking at somebody too right here with, and just those small changes and other things, but those some small changes, that's what you're in control of. Right. You're not in control of what they surround you with. That comes with good front office management. That comes with luck. That comes with, you know, it, that's a lot of things. That, but you as a player, like, hell, what can I do here? It's the same thing I say about Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, if you really think about it, then he was right here, and then a lot of players just passed him up. Kevin Durant passed him up. Giannis Antetokounmpo passed him up. You know, he was never with LeBron, so LeBron just separated himself from him. You know what I'm saying? But look at the players where Carmelo was up here that Dwayne Wade just passed him. So many players just came in and passed him up. So when did Carmelo Anthony look at, what do I need to do? to get up with these cats who were below me when they came in the league and now they just passed me up. It's the same thing. I'm not saying anything bad about it. No. I'm, I'm looking at what your comparable was two years ago and what has he done that he's had control over to get to a certain level. And can you, are you willing to look at that and use that as a template for what you may need to do to get back on that same, you know, that same level with said player? And that's the thing, too. Zach is very aware of all the knocks on his game. 
Very. Like, he's Zach is an uber-confident dude, but he's also a dude who's, very, I think, aware of the things that are said about him. And when it comes to defense, when it comes to the playmaking, all those things that, you know, we talk about with, with Devin. Like, for instance, Devin got thrown at the point guard position and that experiment didn't go well, but I think he learned something from it. You know, I think he, I think he understood angles a little bit better. I think he understood when to deploy offensive, you know, flurries. Like, all right, now's the time for me to go on a four-shot run because I'm feeling it. Like, those decision-making things because the ball was put in his hand. When the ball was put in Zach's hand here in Chicago, it was um, – pretty much going against the Jim Boylan offense and teachings like, all right, nah, to hell with this. I'll never forget that Charlotte game with him and Kobe, you know, two years ago, three years ago, it was like, hey, uh, this second half, we're going to do what we got to do. And in the end, Zach hit a couple of three-pointers at the end of the game to win the game against Charlotte. And everybody's going crazy like, oh, it's all right. I'm like, that's Charlotte. Like, the, you got to do this against the Phillies. And, the, and we're going to get into our Eastern Conference uh, conversation here in a couple of seconds. But before we get off of the Zach and DeMar train, um, Pat Williams, fellas, I have been clamoring for this young man to be angry, be less deferential, understand that you, you know, you know, I'll, I'll never forget having a conversation with that young who said he, he pulled Pat Williams to the side and said, Hey man, you, you here for a reason. Like you're the fourth pick on the, uh, in the draft because this team was bad. So, so you have to understand that not many people eat before you. Three years fast forward now, we're talking about Javante Green getting a starting nod maybe at the power forward spot ahead of you because, as Billy puts it, maybe uh, the look with the second unit will uh, help him out a little bit more and uh, it'll make sure that he's more aggressive. Like we talk about the 20-point back-to-back games against Milwaukee at the end of the postseason or the 30-point game against Minnesota. Like I don't, I, I don't want to see what level you can reach and then only see you reach it, you know, two or three times out of the season. So when, have you seen things like this happen in the NBA scoop? Let me start with you on this. Have you seen things like this where it's like, all right, at some point, you just got to understand this is what it is. Like water finds its level at all times. And for the body and for the, the you know, the hand size and, and the base and all the physical intangibles, for whatever reason, he's such a nice young man and he's so deferential that's, to veterans. No, that's it. That, that, that's, that's the problem right there. That nice young man thing is not going to work. Sometimes in life, everybody can't be it, but you have to be an asshole. And at the other time, there are teams in professional sports that need an asshole. And in his particular situation... Shout out to the Warriors. <laughs> right, exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. No real deal. Yep. Exactly. Sometimes you need to be that dude. Even when it's not within you, you have to find a way to get that in you. And I'm not saying that it's a heart situation. I'm saying it's a dog situation. I think everybody in the league, and you, and in order to sustain yourself in the league, I think you have to have some heart, because the NBA is is especially for us brothers and where we come from. There's so many things pulling on you not to sustain yourself in that league that you have to have heart to maintain a 10, 12, 8 year career. That mm-hmm. takes heart, but heart is different than being a dog, and most times being a dog is attached to you being an asshole. And unless you're, unless you got that, I, I, you know, I can't even think of the talent. Like, who's probably the powerful, powerful talent? Unless, unless you're Zion. Unless <laughs> you're born with like Zion type talent, you got to, the, the asshole has to, or LeBron type talent. Because LeBron has kind of gotten away with never having to really be an asshole. But, you know, you got to be an asshole. Carl Anthony Towns needs some dog in him, he's too nice of a guy. We're saying the same thing about Pat. Like, it's, that nice guy has to leave you. Because you don't have the talent. No disrespect, but you don't have the talent that a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan had. But guess what? They were assholes. And out of those assholes came that dog. And that's sometimes what you need. And what we're talking about here is a guy who has all the physical tools. You know what I'm saying? But his personality and who he is as a person translates to how he plays the game sometimes. And every now and then, that dog may come out, but that dog is not consistent enough. And on a team where you have, like, guys that are super talented, but you got a DeMar DeRozan, you know what I'm saying? Well, you got a Zach Levine. 
Well, you got to zoom Vucevic because that's a talent to do right there. Yep. But that talent probably supersedes yours. You have to reach down further than they do to get out of you what you need to get out to be a part of that core, to be a part of what makes this team successful. And to me, in Pat's situation, it's that dog. You know, you can't, you have to have some dog in you at some point to not let somebody take your spot. That's you know what I'm that. saying? And, and, and that's, that's what I don't see. And that's what, you shouldn't have to have somebody bring it out of you, but sometimes you need somebody to bring it out of you. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. It, it, took, it took Tyson Chandler and Jason Kidd to get it out of uh, uh, Dirk Nowitzki. You know what I'm saying? You Sometimes you got to, that's what, that's the reason L.A. got Patrick Beverly. Get it back out of Russell Westbrook. Sometimes you need that dog. And like I said, shout out to Golden State. Golden State got that one dude that will go around every teammate and get it out of them when it's necessary and what they got to show for it. Four rings. They got four, right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm saying with Pat Williams, I don't know if he has it in him, you know, but this is on the coaching staff, this is on players, and this is where leadership comes into play. And I'm not saying the leader that has to be the one to do it, but the leader who can identify that person is going to get it out of power. Mm. That's what they need because you said it, Jay. He's a nice guy. But that's not what the Bulls need out of him. They need that dog. They need him to become Scoop Jackson for a second. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Darnell, you're around this young man. Uh, you've been around him. Uh, What's in there that isn't that has been untapped, or has everything been tapped? And you know, you just gotta watch him grow as with as little basketball as he's played in the last couple of years. Man, just listen to the, the, the people we're talking about who taken him under his wing, under their wings. Thaddeus Young, Demar Derozan. I mean, he's had some mentors in his short time in Chicago. So, at some point, we gotta stop looking at everything else, everyone else, and say. Pat, it's on you. You know, you have to go out there and perform. And he says and does all the right things uh, until it's time to go out there and perform half the time. And we saw that before. We saw that with Wendell Carter Jr. And that's probably why they traded him out of here, because he couldn't consistently perform, even though he was a nice player. He was a nice person. Um, he had potential. They didn't feel comfortable with his ability to consistently perform. And Patrick Williams is, is, is going down that same path, unfortunately. And, and I'm with Scoop. When a guy takes your job, and I wrote this, and then you compliment the player who took your job, I don't care if you're being professional or not. I mean, that was uh, the pro you know, way of doing it. But that kind of you know, rubs a lot of us the wrong way when you hear someone yeah. respond that way when they just got their job taken by, by one of their teammates. Yeah, it's a recession coming. You should be upset that, that somebody taking your gig out of here. <laughs> and somebody up. needs somebody really needs to hand him hand Patrick Williams Kevin uh, Garnett's telephone number. Hmm. But can, can, can you can you can you put that in somebody though, Scoop? Like I I, I, long... you know, I, I think but here's the here's the I, I think I think you can depending on where it comes from. You know what I'm saying? I think you can depend on and, and you have to be at a point in your life where you get to hear it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, your last everybody, stop. <laughs> okay, I, 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 I don't know your situation. I, I, I'm, I'm taking a stab at this, all right? Everybody on this has a significant other, mm-hmm. all right? So I'm taking a stab at that. Mm-hmm. Now, they can tell us things for years. Be like, ah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Then when they ask decide to leave, that's when we decide <laughs> to hit them. They ain't telling us nothing different. They telling us the same thing. So to your to your question, Jason, <laughs> can you do you need to hear sometimes? Yes, you can hear it, but it has to be from the right person. And at that time, you have to be willing to hear because you have to be at that point in your life. Right. We're at a point right now. We're talking about Patrick Williams having his spot taken. We're talking about the fact that he's too nice of a guy, and he has mentors around him, and they're telling him about the game, but they're not telling him what he needs to hear about who he needs to be. So maybe a guy like Kevin Garnett, who is, you know, no disrespect to the mentors he has now, but they haven't gotten to the places Kevin Garnett has gotten yet. He may hear 
it coming from him differently. You know what I'm saying? And he's the one, and, and, and if that line stays open all season, you know what I'm saying? Not just one phone call. I'm talking about like, hey, every week, check in with me. Every week, do this. Every week, do that. The same way you hear all these guys talking about how Kobe left his line open for them, and they had access to Kobe all the time. Right. And Kobe always answered the phone, and they chop it up with him, and they did this on a regular basis because they thought he was lying. He said, no, 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 my line is open. And all that you hear that they gained from him and how they wouldn't be the same without hearing his voice. So to your answer, Jay, yeah, it can come from somebody else. You know what I'm saying? In this, in this situation, for the position he's playing, for what's needed for him, because they don't have this type of player on their roster or in their coach staff to give it to him every day, and this dude's already connected to Chicago, KG would be the perfect person to be like, hey, man, yo, gee, can I, can, can I holler at you during the season to, you know, teach me certain things and get it? Yeah, do that. Yeah, you know, we, yeah. We, call, we call it in this business mentorship. Yeah, for sure. For you know sure. what I'm saying? But every, every, every mentor ain't got to be right by your side to make it happen for you. But the mentor needs to be somebody that you can hear. And right now, and talking through this Patrick Williams thing, Kevin Garnett is the perfect person for him. And I think, hopefully, if he has that much respect for the game, we'll be the person that he will listen to. Yeah, no doubt. And Patrick has always seemed like a guy uh, who kept his ears open to any kind of critique or thoughts about his game. I just need I just need them to show Patrick Williams all of the greatest games of his high school and collegiate career and all and the, the, the couple of games where we've seen him go off on a consistent you know what, why don't why don't we why don't we take him before the playoffs get here to some public league games? Let's let him see some Red West action. Yeah, let him see some Red West and see these dudes like really, right, right. See these six two dudes guarding six eight dudes in the paint and holding them down. Like really see what some dog really is. Like tell them how we really fall in Chicago. Let him holler at the Bailey brothers. I'm surprised Leonard Hamilton didn't get in his ass. You know what I'm saying? Hey man. If you get to see how they ball in the public league for real, for real, hey, that was fine. It's, you don't uh, get from that, man. <laughs> yeah, scary, scary hours in the public league. Uh, Morgan Park with the young games, uh, you know, hot ass gyms. And, man, I'm talking yeah. to Brandon Marshall, man. Ooh. I ain't talking about these selective Ooh. moments schools you talking about, dude. Oh, uh, here we go. See, see look at you. Right. right, I'm talking some real stuff now. Come on, man. Select enrollment school. Look at, look at the shade coming from this. <laughs> <laughs> I love you for it. All right, so as we wrap up the Bulls conversation, get into the Eastern Conference here. Um, I think the Bulls are a play-in team. I think right now they're anywhere from that 7 to 10 range. I think they're stacked in that area of Atlanta and, and you know, uh, of, of the New York Knicks, somewhere around that, the Toronto Raptors. Because I think the Philadelphia 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the, the Boston Celtics, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Miami Heat are all better teams right now than the Chicago Bulls. How do you guys see this Eastern Conference stacking up? Darnell, we'll start with you and then roll over to you, Scoop. Yeah, I see it about the same way you do. Um, those are your heavyweights. I think we all know that. Before the email Doka situation went down, I thought Boston would probably be right there back in the finals, probably even winning the championship this season. And then, you know, I've I've seen Kevin Durant for a few years. Obviously, um, I can't rule out what the Nets have. You know, yeah. they got a lot of turmoil, right, right, but they got right. a lot of talent. Right. So um you when you look at the Bulls, you have to think that, you know, these are all teams that are more talented than, than them. Uh, so in some cases have been together longer than them uh, and, and just deeper and well, better coached. So you, you can't look at the Bulls as a top four team for sure. If they can crack the fifth or sixth seed, I think that's a successful season for them. Um, but I do look at them more, especially going back to without Lonzo Ball as more of that play-in range. Top of the East. Scoop, how does it stack up for you? No, I, I agree with you. I, I, I wasn't even going to give it an order. I agree with you. I think the problem is, I think what Donnell said was important, too, is that those teams are not just probably more talented. I don't want to say necessarily better coach or whatever, but the question is, uh, each one of those teams, because only one of those teams basically has a ring. Are uh, all of those teams hungrier than them? Because at the end of the day, if the Bulls don't match the hunger of those teams in, you know, they may not get through the play-in. And if they get out of the play-in, 
They're going to have to face one of these teams. And if you can't match them talent for talent, you have to have something else outside of talent that's going to get you through a series against one of the six teams you just mentioned. And it has to be hunger. But Miami hasn't won one, but they've been close twice. They are super hungry. If Boston is even in the conversation come playoff time and dealing what they had to deal with, with you know, the email Doka situation, if they can survive that drama and still find themselves, you know, in, in, in a non-playing situation, they're going to be super hungry because they've been there so many times, folks, and we're just there the year before. You know, Milwaukee, even though they do have a chip, they're going to come back hungry because of what happened last year. Right? Right. Philly's going to be super hungry. They still hungry from losing to Kawhi Leonard on that shot. Brooklyn, you know, if they're healthy and no other drama outside of the drama that they're coming in here with, who's going to outhunger them? So my thing is what D just said, yeah, they're more talented, but there's the hunger factor that the Bulls got to find a way to match because every team in the East that we're talking about right now, not only do they have the talent and probably coaching, to a certain degree, but each one of them are hungrier to get to the title and not let a team like the Bulls take them out of there. And that's a problem. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything, so you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Which storyline intrigues you guys the most? Uh, you mentioned Zion Williamson and the return of Zion. There's a lot of Luka Doncic MVP talk. I'm looking forward to seeing how John Morant rebounds from his exit out of the playoffs. He bumped his head his first time really in being in that spotlight. And it's to be expected now what what parts of his game get refined a little bit more and does he come back? Like where where are you guys at in terms of national storylines that that stick out to you? Can I ask you a question real quick, Jason? Real quick. Go ahead. Had Ja Morant not gotten injured against the Warriors, what would have happened? Ah, uh, you see, now we're going here. So I think, I, I, you you think they'll beat the Warriors? I didn't, brother. Did, I'm did, asking did you a that, question now. I asked you, I asked you a question. <laughs> I do no, not no, think no, they would have beat the no, Warriors. Don't try to Jim Gray me and put words <laughs> in my mouth. That ain't happening. I do no. not think they would have beat the Warriors, no. No, I, I, I didn't even ask you that. I didn't, I didn't, I left it very open-ended. I asked, what do you think would have happened? You could be like the same thing. Yeah, I think the same thing would have happened. You said he bumped his head. I look at it and say, well, I don't know if he bumped his head as much as he got injured. Yeah, but they did start to take advantage of his streaky shooting from the outside. You know, you could see teams defending him a little bit differently as the, the end of the season drew near, the time that he missed, and then, of course, in the playoffs, which is, you know, you on the freeway, you know, there ain't no time yeah, for tricycles out there. So, yeah, 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 exactly. So I, I think he was defending. The reason I say bumped his head is because it's the, it's the counterpunch, right? Like with Derrick Rose, you know, we didn't get a chance to see that thing come to fruition, but you could tell teams are starting to defend Derrick Rose a little bit differently because they knew how explosive and how physical he was. You could see that kind of happening with Josh. So I'm just looking for the counterpunch. Like that to me, NBA basketball is the prettiest sport when played well, right? And played at the highest level because of the, the, 
the artistic element of it, the poetry of it, right? And John Moran doing what he did last year and then the league having like a little bit of a counterpunch. And as you mentioned, his injury obviously makes a big difference. But to me, watching these dudes and seeing what their counterpunch is to what the league had for him, that's my favorite part of this shit. Like, I understand teams being able to take away certain things. Like, certain players you can't take away things from. Like, Shaq, no matter what you did, how you want to defend him, it wasn't going to matter. Shaq was going to be Shaq. But especially with a perimeter-oriented league, the amount of point guards running around this league, the night that you have to have every single night, I'm looking forward to seeing what John Morant is coming into this season where it's like, okay, he is officially a star. And there are expectations, right? Like, being a star and not having a lot of expectations, like, to me, that's Dame Lillard, where it's like, you can stay in Portland forever because don't nobody think Portland is going to win a championship. So it's kind of like that Fred McGriff vibe where it's like, yeah, you could be there forever, but you're not expected to. With John Moran, you got people thinking that this might be the second or third best team in the Western Conference. So I'm looking forward to that storyline, to say the least. I picked him to win MVP. Wait, that's the greatest filibuster ever because he still never answered the question. I answered the damn question, Scoop. I answered the question. I answered the question. I told you. Look, look. All these people out here running for man, dude, put your name in the box. I hate you, God. Yo, yo. Forget Judy Garcia. Forget Lori Lightfoot. Forget all of them, man. Yo, Jason. Don't don't forget my man, man, Willie. Don't forget Willie. Man. I think the same thing would have happened. Like, that that team wasn't ready. Experience-wise, and also, there was a lot of, there's a lot of people on that team that take shots that don't understand that John Moran is on the court, too. So I think that they had to go through certain certain experiences with or without his injury last year. I think the same thing would have happened to them. This year is different. They would have lost the same way? Not the same way. Of course okay, not the so, same way. So understand if you're not asking a, question, But a, a, a serious loss is a serious loss, right? No, when not really. Get... No, 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 not really. Not, the Bulls, look, if the Bulls had taken Milwaukee to seven as opposed to getting, like, swept in five... <laughs> We're having a different conversation right now because we're going to, hey, they challenge the champs. It's the way you lose sometimes. It's the way you lose. Look. I got you. Right. That's all. So I'm saying if they had, like, pushed, if they had pushed Golden State to seven mm-hmm. and happened to lose, and the only reason they lost was whatever. You know what I'm saying? They lost to, like, Philadelphia, the way Philadelphia lost to the route on a shot, whatever. If they, yeah, yeah, yeah. You come into the next season totally different. How do you think the way they lost to Golden State will affect their year this year? Now, that's a good question because if they if they make the excuse that, hey, the only reason we lost to them was because of Ja, had Ja been there, we would have won, I think they're basically lying to themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if, if they're like, hey, if Ja was on the court and we still lost to them, all right, that's it. It's almost like revenge factor. It's almost like, remember when Cleveland beat San Antonio? In game seven, was it Cleveland or was it Miami? It was Miami, I'm sorry. Miami, yeah. Miami, right. Uh, who hit the shot? Because Tim Duncan missed on defense. Who hit the yeah, shot? It was Ray Allen. Yeah, Chris Bosh kicked okay. it out to Ray Allen. Yeah. All right. Now, here's the thing. When you lose, you lose. I don't think so because the way they lost, remember what happened next year when they played them? Remember their ass beating San Antonio handed them? Like they were what? What did Big Daddy Kane say? Coming back like I'm avenging my brother's death? <laughs> Dude. Sometimes that's necessary. And in Memphis' standpoint, if they had lost like that, if they had lost like that to the Golden State Warriors, they would have been on a mission, I think, a different mission than they're coming into this season. That's all. And okay. I think they didn't see their goal potential. And if they really think that he would have been there, it would have made a difference. They would have been in the line to themselves. But they need to come in with the hunger factor as if they lost like that. That's all I'm saying. No doubt. Darnell, what what, uh, what national storyline is sticking out to you as we enter this NBA season? Uh, I mentioned Brooklyn before because of Durant, Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving on the court. Um, and then I'm looking at the Clippers heavy. Yes, sir. Of what they have assembled on that team, man. John Wall adding, uh, being added to that mix with PG and Kawhi. You know, Reggie Jackson I've been a fan of for years. Oh, yeah. so. Um, they got a lot of talent, and I could see them coming out of the West or at least putting some pressure on those other teams to come out of the West. Yeah, I got Philly. I got Philly in LA in the uh, in the finals this year. I got, I got 
Clippers yeah. or Lakers? Which, which no, I got the Clippers. No, okay. I got the Clippers. Right. Yeah, right. the, La- the Lakers gonna mess around being that play-in situation as well. I, I you know, you could Darvin Ham, God bless him, and and Pat Bev, you know, God bless him as well. But at some point, they gonna have those stretches of old man basketball like they had last year as well. You know, this this season gonna be about LeBron chasing that scoring record for the most part because I don't see anything happening in L.A. I could be wrong though. I could be wrong. Scoop, you, you, you are you a believer in the Clippers as well? Yeah, I, I have them in the final play in the Nets. I do. Okay. Oh, so you got Brooklyn going to the See, oh, yeah, I, I, I thought I was the last person on the Ben Simmons train, and I wasn't getting off. <laughs> hey, look, that that that's one of those things that you throw an asterisk on and a caveat with. Like, barring nothing crazy comes up, it's going to derail just as is right now. And I'm not even throwing injury in there. I'm just like, anything. Good. Right. As long as nothing comes up, I think that they... I think they're on a mission to at least prove that they can reach a level that they thought they could. And I think that's that's every player and everybody in the organization holding themselves accountable for at least making this one year happen. Because they know if it doesn't happen this year, then it's, you know, at least if they don't see it this year for their own careers and their own legacies and their own purpose, then it's never going to happen. And they don't want to go through going with the what if. So I think internally they're all committed. Like, barring something crazy happens, though. Like, seriously, barring something crazy happens. But I got Brooklyn in it because just, just for their own self-preservation, I think they have enough pride on their team to, like, you know, at least see it out for one year. Just for one year. How do y'all feel about this Luka Doncic MVP talk? I think he has a chance to get it. I think he's a front runner. I think um, I actually texted my boys when uh, uh, before uh, Jalen Brunson Left when they got Christian Woods, I'm like, oh, they went in the title. Oh. You know, um, the only problem I have, I think, I think we've got a chance to get it, but I think one of the problems they're going to have is, I think that they have a problem. I think they're going to have a problem with Dinwiddie, Finney Smith, and Timmy Hardaway, because they're basically the exact same player at the exact same time to do the exact same thing. It's cool to have two of them, but to have three dudes, where's your balance? You know, so I don't know if Timmy's going to get traded. You know, who's, you know, I know Lucas kind of running the point, but do they still need that de facto point guard, someone to guide the team as opposed to just lead them for the point? And that, to me, is going to probably be the reason he may not win MVP. But it's all set up for him to do it. But I think that connecting problem is going to be one of the reasons. Because I don't, I don't, I don't see... I'd be very surprised if all three of those players are on the team after the trading deadline. And mm. that shakeup, right? Very rarely do you see MVPs win MVPs when something like that goes down internally with the team, something that big. So I, that, 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 that's one thing on Luca winning MVP. Any other MVP candidates out there for you, Darnell, that you, uh, that you think might be names that, that, that aren't getting mentioned enough? Nah, not 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 getting mentioned enough, but Giannis. I mean, <laughs> right, the best yeah. player in the league. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't you can't rule out Giannis, man. That's my pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, he is. Um, yeah. Everything that Giannis has become, you know, I first chance I got a chance to see him was uh, summer league in his rookie year in Vegas, and I I, wa- I ran around summer league and, and telling anybody I could, I was like, yo, I just saw Mega Pippen, like I just saw, I just saw if you you put if you put the Hulk and Scottie Pippen in the fly machine and, and, and morphed them together and came out, I think I just saw the future of the NBA, and he has definitely turned into that, fellas. I appreciate your time. Um, the league is going to be back. Uh, we we uh we, we celebrate it. It is a it's a holiday around here. Christmas Day is the unofficial opening day for the casual fans, but Tuesday night on TNT is going to be a blast. And of course, Wednesday we get this bull season started. Darnell Scoop, I I appreciate y'all more than you know. Thank you so much for jumping on the pod and uh, continued success. We can get that content from Darnell at the Athletic, and of course, Scoop is all over the place at ESPN doing what he does, especially back here at the crib. So, gentlemen, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you, man. Thank you, Jason. It's the Full Go Minute! That's all the time we have for episode 164 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. want to thank all of the people who hang out with us, the production staff, not only Steve Cerruti. He isn't a shadowy figure. I actually saw him this pod. He actually 
deign to grace us with his presence. Shout out to Steve. And of course, the always active Jesse Lopez and my main man, Tony Gill, who is away on honeymoon. Good for you, Tony. We're still happy that you got married and hopefully you're not getting on Steph's nerves every single day of this new relationship. No, we love you, though, brother. And, of course, to you guys, thank you for downloading this thing, subscribing to this thing, sharing it, rating and reviewing it. You know, of course, thank you so much for anything that you do for this pod. We truly, truly appreciate you. We will be back after Wednesday. Until then, take care of each other and be safe.